Welcome back to The Cauldron. This is episode three. The Cauldron Podcast by Aberavon Rugby Club. Produced by Buffoon Media. My name is Chris Davis. I am the commercial and marketing manager at Aberavon RSC and also the defence coach. We've got some aspiring athletes on the show today. Jack Morgan, current Wales Under-20s captain. 22 games for Aberavon so far. And also regional club is the Scarlets. With him as well is also Wales Under-20s player Rhys Thomas. He is currently assigned to the Ospreys and have only played just two games with Aberavon so far. So boys, welcome to the cauldron. Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming in. Well just wanted to know, really get down to it and what junior clubs and what's your story so far in terms of rugby? So how do you start? What got you into rugby? And um, yeah, we'll go from there. So Jack? I started off just um, playing in Brahman uh, when I was younger, just played two years up, uh, touch rugby, something like that. And then when I was about six or seven years old, then I went to um, come to juniors. I played uh, 10 years there up until in the under 16s level. Uh, we come to make great friends there, and uh, that's where I really uh, played a lot of my junior rugby um, and all, all of it really. And there. Do you play much youth? Because I know uh, you like a pipe jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fortunate enough, I had a full youth season down, down the Ammon youth. Uh, really enjoyed it. So I, I had the full youth experience and uh, went out every weekend and uh, stuff like that. Youth, and uh, like, I loved it. Yeah, the yeah. Ammon. Reese, what about you? What's your story? Uh, I played the park all my life. Started there when I was about six, and yeah, played there up until youth. Uh, and then, looking like, I picked up the Ospreys second block and just gone from there, really. What was the um, the main level of rugby for, at your age when you were coming through? Was it more schools? Was was people more interested in schools rugby or club rugby at the time when you were all coming through? Um, I say me personally, I think it was more more of the club rugby, um, especially my year. We didn't have the, the best uh, school year in, in, in rugby. Um, and yeah, so I'd say the most interest come through through the club uh, through the uh, through club rugby, yeah. Yeah, so club rugby wasn't that big when I was coming through. It was all schools rugby. The Lloyd's TSB League was called, and you played Saturday morning, and that was where you played your rugby. And if you wanted to play rugby, and move on and play for Wales schools under 18s, etc. You played schools, but obviously now with regional rugby, it's changed a little bit. But recently, same, same as you, obviously operating from Talbot, local lad, um, Ty Bach. You went to Dufferin, right? Yeah, Dufferin. Well, not St. Joe's. Did you go to St. Joe's as well or no? Sixth form? No, uh, went to Neath College. Ah, Neath College. So, so that's a good point there, really. So did you go to college and, and that's where you played most of your rugby there? Or, and, and that's where you aspired to be? Or was, did Dufferin have some good coaches there as well that, that brought you through? Dufferin was alright. Uh, Mr. Latman was coach there. He was a good coach there. Um, but yeah, college rugby was a step up again. I uh, played every game for college. Uh, captain the side second year. And yeah, it was, uh, it was a good standard of college rugby was. And, Coach there was good with Duncan Jones coaching his first year. Yeah, so it was a good level. So who, what, what got you into rugby? What, what made you think, yeah, I'm going to play rugby? Was it just a, like a natural process where you just joined in the six tag team and you just you just got on with it, or you know what, what was the what was the deal there with you guys? Well, in the family, uh, everyone in the family has played played rugby for all generations. So it's it's kind of a I didn't really have a choice really whether I was going to start rugby or not, but. I was six, I was playing both rugby and football, uh, juniors, and just uh, having a laugh and just something to do, training on the weekend. Uh, on the weekends, and my, uh, it was with my father then, he used to take take me uh, every Saturday, Sunday to football and rugby. Please? Mine was more friends. My parents always used to watch rugby, but none, none of my family ever really played it. 
So just growing up on my friends to be involved. So I just went down with my mates one day and fell in love with the sport. Yeah. I think more and more often now, Welsh rugby players or children aren't playing rugby for those type of reasons. I got forced into play rugby. I came from England. My, my old man was in the uh, RAF. So um, I came over to Wales when I was about eight years old. So I skipped all that rugby. I didn't even know what rugby was. Um, my coach picked me up one day from the scruff of the neck and he just put me into the changing rooms. He goes, you're playing rugby. And off you go. He gave me some kit from the, uh, the lost, lost, lost and found. <laughs> and off I went there. And that's, how, and that's how it was. I think that's how it always was to get in children or, or, or any type of people into rugby. It was forced upon you. Uh, but I think those days are kind of gone. What, what, what do you think? Or was it more... Kids have so much choice now, don't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's actually sometimes in school rugby, you know, you had a couple of big boys uh, in school who never really played rugby and some of the, co- uh, the coaches tried catching them in PE lessons and put a rugby ball in their hand and getting them to play and uh, try and convince them to play for the school for the school in rugby and sometimes some boys stuck to it and had interest and some boys just didn't, didn't have the knack for it. Moving on then, you've both entered the senior realm of rugby, so semi-pro rugby. Jack, you've how have you found your transition basically from uh, coming out of age grade rugby etc going straight into our brown um yeah i th- I, th- I thought it was okay uh i played a bit of division two with brahman uh before going into it but it still has bit, still had the physical side of it with the with the contact with the older men but uh no i thought it was a, thought it was good how uh, did I you enjoy it end up at brahman you're from west wales yeah what's the, what's the story behind that one um i'm not sure i think i played it in ratings um with cam lewis uh Lyndon's boy, and I think uh, I had a phone call in from Lyndon and Jason asking if I was interested in coming to Aberavon. Um, I met up with them and uh, saw the uh, saw the met the environment and uh, the coaches, and I was uh, really interested. So I decided then to um, to join. Reese, how have you found the environment so far? I know you haven't played obviously as much games as Jack, but how have you found the environment with the players there? You know, type of a new setting, not not people your own age. You know, how have you settled in? Uh, it's been good. Yeah, the uh, the boys have fed them of a. Uh, Helped me settle in quite well. They're all really supportive, and uh, yes, yeah, it's a good crack down there. It's a good laugh. What players stand out off the field? You know, what what type of characters are down there? Oh, JTR is always about making laughs and jokes, and he uh, Sam was always there, and uh, a few others, Pritchy. Yeah, it's quite a few of the boys always just there trying to make you laugh and a little piss about and change and stuff. Do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy being in the club? You know? Yeah, I really enjoy it. It's really good. Yeah, Jack, what about you? How, you know, how have you settled in and? What type of characters for you are standing at the moment? What, what do you enjoy about playing for the, for the club? Oh, I just I just enjoy the, the the boys and the and the and the coaching group and the mix between the like the coaches and the and the boys. Got like a fr- friendly environment and everyone just gets along and it's just a really good laugh when you, when you play and then when you go on a field. Obviously, there's a switch when you go on a field as serious and it's, it's game time and in training. When you go serious, you go serious. But then again, when it's time time you can have a laugh, you have a laugh and it's brilliant. How have you found that um, again? Going back to the transition and from your age grade rugby into into that senior rugby, what's been? Has there been any challenges for you? What have you found difficult or likewise easy? What, what you know? How, how has that gone for you? Um, I found it quite um, quite difficult at the start uh, with the with the physicality element of uh, of the semi pro jumping. Obviously, from from age grade up, um, it's obviously playing against grown men, so you get the, the collisions are. Much more fierce, and you you, you proper feeling. I used to be 
we should play on a Saturday, so we should be stiff turning up training on a Tuesday at the, at the start. But uh, already, how old you uh, attack? No, I was at the start. That was oh, at the start, right? Yeah, yeah. got conditioned to it now. And <laughs> I'm alright now. From stuff you allow you, you know, 33, like you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. train on a Tuesday. Yeah, feel a bit old, but uh, no, no, get conditioned. But no, the phys- physicality side of it at the start was was tough and just get, getting used to that and uh, and managing managing uh, managing that. Yeah, you, I know you've played a couple of games. Do you play for Pretend? Or not, was it? Swansea, yeah. Swansea, yeah. Swansea. So how have you, you, you... Did you go to Neath as well? Started in Neath when I was just in 18. Yeah. No, so you're, you're trying to go around all the Osprey clubs. I'm not trying there. to. I've been passed about that. I'm not trying to go there. Right, so hopefully you're going to settle at, at Abraham. So again, yeah, same question for you, really. So how have you found that transition? I know you came on against um, Ebbovale, was it? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah. the biggest thing, like Jack said, has been the physicality. Because obviously you're going from playing 17-year-old boys to grown men. Yeah, so the physicality's been a big thing. Like, as Jack said, the tackle's a lot harder, carrying the ball's a lot harder. But uh, apart from that, I think it's been all right. What about the type of set piece then as well? You know, line out operation. You know, that's a, that's a minefield for me, line outs and stuff like that. Scrums, I'm not even going to bother going into. <laughs> but line outs, you know, is, is, there, is there a step up in terms of line outs or is it pretty much one type of role fix fits all? You know, it's, it's a line out, you lift, jump, drop down, or is it just calls and all that get over complicated because everyone's got a different calling system? You know, is there a difference between, or is it just diff- coaches' preference? I think it's a little bit of difference. Like, the more you go on, the more complicated some calls get, and there's more calls always to learn and change. But I think as long as you get the process right, then it's near enough the same. Yeah. Well, I find a lot of the calls in lineups. Every team you go, most of the calls are basically the same, but it's just that they're given like different calling system and different letters. So when you jump in from one to another. It just gets confusing, and then you just so mess it up. Team, the team is yeah, just like uh, some calls like, will be different letters. So like an art, like for one will be up front, and one will be back, and some some different teams. So yeah. trying to remember which is which is a bit of a it's complex stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But in all fairness, please used to just put me in the front of the way <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to make me do my thing. That's nice. front ball, you know, aim at the badge, job done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. happy days, <laughs> happy days. All right, boys, we're going to move on to a new segment of the show called the Chamber of Secrets. The Chamber of Secrets. This is where you now tell me something very, very interesting about yourself or a secret that somebody knows, maybe not others, something you want to share about yourself. So what I'll do, I'll warm you up with a story about myself, a secret that obviously people know, but it's a bit of an interesting one. So have you ever heard of Jarvis Cocker? No. Didn't think so, yeah. No. Jarvis Cocker, Pulp Fiction. Not Pulp Fiction, sorry, Pulp. Oh. No, no, never hear that singer. Wanna live like common people. Yeah, okay. You got that song? Right, right, yeah. yeah. So him, I'm I'm out in Venice with Pretend District and the Fifties. Okay, picture this: Sit Mark Square, lovely suns out. I I clock Jarvis Cocker. He's with a couple of people. He's got a map open and he's enjoying himself, looking around, pointing the things. I decided then just to run up to him, go behind him, and keg him. So then he's running after me there with his map in his two hands. <laughs> with, his, with his trousers around his ankles and stuff like that, which is perfect. That's a little story about myself, but it was in the days where, so uh, under 15s, I must have been, what year was that? A pass. To 99, maybe. Yeah, so no camera phones. So we didn't, unfortunately, we I can't prove that one, but you have to ask my teammates. So, what about you guys? Jack, what have you got? Oh, I don't know. Um, there's probably plenty of, uh, plenty of funny stories. There's, uh, I've had plenty of funny kegging stories, I remember once we were in, uh, was at the tail in Nando's and uh, one of the boys told me funny to uh, to keg me. <laughs> but um, 
the enforcer thing was I was going commando that day, so uh, <laughs> I had nothing on underneath, so everything came out. Was it a good sight for everybody, or? Uh, I don't know, I was lucky <laughs> I was sitting by the till, I just covered, covered it up quickly. And what is it with <clears> people in kegging? Every time I, I go on trips with Abraham, and that's the first thing someone does when they stop off in the services, they go to the keg <laughs> mode. And it's, I don't understand, what, what, what is it? There's certain boys in that team who will always go to the keg. Lloyd Evs, Steph Andrews, they're going to care you. So then when you, you get off the bus and you double knot in your, your trousers. Stuff like yeah, you've got to prepare. Yeah, absolutely crazy. So, Kegan, any other stories? Any other secrets? Mm, Interesting secrets? facts? No, I wouldn't say my secrets. I'm more, more quite, quite, quite a bit like an open book, so I don't, don't tend no. to keep my secrets. That's but, good, mate. That's good. Yeah, and because with, with the boys, nothing's ever a secret. Everything's out in the open. Everyone tells everything. Oh, but uh, uh, it's a difficult one, that is. All right. Reese, what about you, mate? If you've got a long Kegan stories, uh... <laughs> I was in the gym a couple of years ago doing a, one of the big squats. It wasn't that big. And Fender decided to keg me in the middle of it. So I'm there in the middle of the gym. Bar on. Bar on back. <laughs> and racked. And both came down. So that's a bit of a, that story. But yeah, I, as I said, in rugby, you don't have many secrets. Were you commando at the time? Like, I weren't, but they both came down. You oh, they both came down. Right. You, you grabbed both. That's good keg. Oh, yeah. You had them both for a gym. That's a, that's a good one, Aris. That's a good one, yeah. Barber, what did you actually do there? What was the, what was the result? Uh, run Got back, re-racked <laughs> <Re-rack laughs> <them up>. <laughs> Should have done a squat first. <laughs> Happy days. Okay, boys, that was the Chamber of Secrets. I'm going to move on now to the Wales 20s and the campaign there. Two games. Opening games was against Italy. Unfortunately, lost 7-17 to that. And then you played Ireland last week. Uh, again, lost 36-20. So, Ireland were the winners of the Six Nations last season. Um, so just just tell me a bit about your your, your opening start in how it's gone for you two losses. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's been a tough tough start. Um, it's another start that, that we were hoping for, but um, I don't think the performance has been uh, that bad. Because Italy we start from ball and we, we couldn't get ball from them in offense. Their ball retention was was brilliant, and we mainly made in defense. I think we done over over two hundred tackles, but the the defense offense it was plenty of compliments from. They only scored one try and. Um, there were many missed tackles from there, um, but uh, it wasn't really the start. And against Ireland, then we, we were a lot better, especially in attack. And, and um, but it was it was just the errors that uh, cost us massively. And every time we made an error, that gave them advantage in over twenty-two. And every time they went in the twenty-two six times or seven times, and they had points six or seven times every time they went in there. Going back to the Italy game, obviously I, I watched that on, as well on TV. Um, they, they, as you said, they starved you of possession. You obviously tackle count, defence was quality. But how, how do you deal with that then um, on the pitch? I think that that, that pick a go game. What was the, the outcome from the coaches or the the go to for the next game? If that happens again, basically, if you're in the same situation again, how yeah. do you deal with that type of that pick and go game and ensuring that you can regain possession somehow? Especially the pick and go game. Um, it's, it's important, like. Just to try and get a try and get a chop in and expose the ball a bit. It just gives us more of an opportunity for a jackal. But with Italy, a lot, they were very quite streetwise in their attack, and when they were clearing up, they were just diving straight off their feet and just killing the ball straight away, which which the ref thought it was straight away was a ruck, so we didn't have a chance for a jackal. Mm. Um, so yeah, maybe get a chop in and try and block one of their cleaners, uh, one of their attackers, supporting players, and uh, stopping them from cleaning up and give us more of a chance for a jackal. Because you had a good start against Italy. I think Sam Costello scored the first try, didn't he? Yeah, uh, he scored within four minutes or something like that. But yeah. then the opposite then for against Ireland, where Ireland scored that opening try, and it, did that just set you back a little bit in terms of confidence-wise, or was it just look that that's gone? That's a that's a, that's a givey. 
and we go again. Yeah, that was that was in the first first minute. So when that happened, it was just uh, that's just that happens. Get off his kick off. Start the game now and forget about that and just get on to the get on to the next next round of the game. Reese, I know you haven't played yet. You've obviously got an injury, but you you do to come back. What has it looked like for you? You know, on on the sidelines, uh, looking in basically, and and you know how those two games have gone so far. Yeah, for sure I haven't played, but uh, watching it, it looked like our defence has been really strong. Some of the highlights were uh, set up. Um, but yeah, it looks like our main problem are little errors and wrong decisions or little mistakes here and there. But I think as a whole, it's been really strong. It's just uh, if you can iron out them little mistakes, then fingers crossed it should be a good game against France. Yeah, as I said, moving into France then, that's the next game. France have won the World Cup, haven't they, last two seasons, 2018 and 2019. Yeah. And they also won the Six Nations as well in 2018 as well. So what's the game plan? What's, what, what's the approach going into France and um, how are you approaching that game? Um, we're approaching the game mainly as, as all the other games. Um, with the, we're trying to keep the ball ball with us and especially in Ireland, like we, we were good with ball in hand, just needed a, one or two things and just a, just a breakthrough and it would have been right. But especially against France, now we're just over the next two weeks, we're trying to um, not force, not play with pressure and uh, force a lot of pressure on them and, um, and minimise the errors that we make so that doesn't give give them a chance to um, get uh, go for a ball. So as I said, France have won the World Cup the past two seasons, so they're on a good journey, I, I guess. Um, you played them in the World Cup as well, didn't you, in, in 2019? You lost to, to France, but you had some good results against Argentina, Fiji and New Zealand, obviously, but last, lost that last game against England. So. I know you were in the World Cup, Jack, um, last year. So h- how was that experience for you? Yeah, it was, a, it was a brilliant experience. In Argentina, right? Yeah. Yeah. In Where Ros- in Argentina was it? Rosario in Argentina, Rosario. and then one of the other games is, uh, was played uh, on another pitch. But all of the main games were in uh, uh, Rosario. How was? Um, sorry, I, well, I played Wales in the Twenty Ones, and my World Cup was in um, Mendoza, Argentina. So it's interesting to share some stories on that, really, because how has things changed in Argentina? Now, if I tell you a few stories where our players were escorted with police around everywhere, um, we had about probably four, you can imagine the bus going to everywhere, we had, we had four police escorts on each side on the motorbikes. So when we'd stop off or wherever we were going, all of our players were using their guns and shooting their guns and, and things like that, just as a, you know, things out just by the Andes, Rocky Mountains, just, just messing about with the police. I mean, firstly, yeah, that's absolutely bang out of order. Yeah. <laughs> Secondly, is, what, did that go on in your World Cup? Um, I'm sure it's, Rosario was more, more like a city, yeah. so it was uh, quite more compact and, uh, and, uh, and stuff like that. But we did, we did get a couple of police escorts, uh, especially from the airport down to Rosario, we had a police escort. I think halfway through then when we left Buenos Aires and for the rest of the journey, I think they swapped, swapped uh, escorts. Um, but no, it was, uh, it was it's, quite, it's quite old there. It's uh, a bit, bit old-fashioned uh, in a couple of areas, and uh, did we have all the barbecues post-match, all that, all the meat, or was that the, the, for us? See, it wasn't like a post-match meal; it was a barbecue, and these, and it was racked up meat everywhere. And I'm talking, you know, probably the size of this room now. What, what were we in here? Ten, probably ten by ten meter square uh, a room, yeah. and um, it was just racks, low, low barbecues on the floor, full of meat, and just a bit of rice on the side. Just, just barbecue every single time, which was I thought was phenomenal. Really, I'm, I'm not sure if that was the same. No, uh, we, we didn't have much, um, many barbecues because it was, uh, they usually play. They were playing three games in a day, so it was a yeah. quick turnover between games because they needed, a, needed to use the change rooms and the, and the field and the facilities. But uh, now we had we were going back to the hotel and stuff like that. They were 
cooking us uh, uh, some steaks and uh, stuff like that. And it was it was lovely. So you played New Zealand in that World Cup. You know that was a um, was a score. That was it was, it was a low score, wasn't it? Six seven. Um, was it eight, eight seven like or yeah. something like something like that? It was quite close. That's a massive result for you boys in the, in the, in the World Cup. I mean, New Zealand are a renowned quality team. We played New Zealand again, going back to our 21s World Cup. And it was 13-9 until 60 minutes and they blew us away. It was something like 54-9, which, which is not what normally happens. But it shows that yeah. probably come a long way. So, you know, how was that for you? And that must have been a massive confidence boost. Yeah, it was. It was massive. You know, it was, it was, a, it was a great achievement for all the boys. They were, they were quite proud and uh, very tough. You know, we were only the only the second 20s team ever to do it and yeah. and there's only one of the very few Welsh teams to ever do it against New Zealand but no it was a, it was a great achievement a lot of the boys were very proud and uh, certainly it was, a, it, was a, it was a tough game against them but now we managed to close them out Moving on into the 2020 World Cup now I know eyes and minds are fully set onto the Six Nations campaign in France but I'm sure the long term plan this season is to make sure that you have a you build into that World Cup that World Cup's in Italy is that right? Italy, yeah. 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 Uh, Reese, first of all, you hoping to be on that plane going to, to Italy? Yeah, fingers crossed I'll be there, but yeah, hopefully. Main goal for you then really is to make sure you're in that squad playing against France. Is that, will that be the. That's, yeah, that's the main goal for now. Just get back into the West Jersey. Yeah, so first game then going on from that New Zealand, your first game in the World Cup against Italy, in Italy, is New Zealand. Yeah. So. What you know again? I, I know it's difficult for you to speak about it because it's um, it, it's it's in June or July or whatever. But how, how would you approach that game now if you were just about to enter the World Cup? In, in terms of if you beat World, them in, in the World Cup in two thousand nineteen, do you do more of the same or what? What does it take to be the third team again to to beat them? Um, yeah, it, it'll, it'll have to depend. And it's guaranteed in Italy that it's going to be uh, almost guaranteed anyway. There's going to be thirty five degrees and sunny weather, whereas. We played New Zealand last year in the World Cup. It was it was a storm, so we played half an hour and we had to go in the change rooms for 40 minutes to wait for the storm to clear. Oh, yeah. And then went back out oh, and nice. only played 10 minutes half time yeah, and then come back that. out there. Yeah. So that was, that was quite of a so that was quite an odd game. Uh, it never 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 happened before. But uh, no, against uh, New Zealand in the summer, no, we'll, uh, I think we'll have to go out with uh, different ideas due to the to the weather. But uh, the game plan will stick stick very much to it uh, and with the defence. And, uh, and stuff like that. You've also got Georgia, which is obviously an up and coming rising team for it's been for a while. There's obviously talks of them being in the Six Nations as well. Maybe a bit of a banana skin game for you in that. Could you, um, yeah, I mean, is, how would you approach that game, Georgia? Reese, how, how do you think you, you know, play New Zealand, motivations there, surely one of the best teams in the world, New Zealand, but then Georgia? Things you've got approaches that you would any other game. Like, I guess if you go down there thinking it's just Georgia, you're going to get turnover. So yeah, obviously it won't be as hard, but it's going to still be a massive physical game. So I think we've still got to approach it all guns blazing and get mentally prepared for it. And then the last game would be Australia, so another Southern, Southern Hemisphere team as well. So that, that's I mean, that's really exciting to play against. You, that's, when you go yeah. to World Cup, there's a, they're the type of games you want to play. You don't want to yeah. play the whole nations again, do you? You want to play teams you haven't played before. No, definitely, yeah. So playing against Australia, uh, New Zealand and Georgia is just uh, a great experience for the boys because so could could be a once in a in a life opportunity to play against the uh, them type of teams because you don't you never play against them often. Like with the Six Nations, we, we'd have played all all the home regions really, but to be able to go out there and play against them type of regions, uh, uh, them type of countries is uh, is uh, a fantastic opportunity and uh, and brilliant for the boys. Let's let's go back to France and how they're building. Now let's try and um, 
flick back and forth between the senior squads, the senior Six Nations, and obviously what's happening in the 20s level as well. France, in the current squad at the moment, Six Nations squad, they have seven players from the 2018 World Cup, which I think is a great progression for those players, and, and the coaches obviously back them to, to, to make that step up. Uh, compared to Wales then in 2018, they've only got one player, and that's Rhys Carey, who's in that squad now. Obviously, I think Tane Bashup was in there and Derry Lake, but they've recently been called up, I think. Recently, so, yeah. What's the, you know, what, what do you... What do you gauge from that? You know, what, what France is two from two in the World Cup. Uh, sorry, the Six Nations going well. Maybe the Sean Edwards factor is a bit to play in there. But in terms of coaching and the direction, France seem to be back in the youngsters. What's, what's your thoughts on, on, on the Welsh approach there? Um, it, the quality of the French players that have been in the last two to three years, they've obviously won two World Cups in a bounce now. Um, Roman Intimac was the outside half in the... In yeah, the first right. win, I think he was still eligible last year for the 20s, but he obviously got called for the senior squad. And last year, it was Louis Cabanel who was the outside half, and I think he's in the uh, Six Nations squad uh, yeah. for this year. So, um, no, they've, the pool of players they've had, France, are amazing uh, in the last two two years. And I think they, they're branding that age group as the 2023 uh, World Cup era, so around that age group, because they got that pool of players at that age. That's a good point to make. So building towards obviously the next World Cup, I'm sure that's why every coach's uh, aim is. They seem to be building from a young age now. So do, do you think that Wales should be rebuilding again and under Pivac in terms of backing the youngsters? I know it's a difficult question for you because you could be both one of those youngsters in, in that squad. So do you think that should be the approach and build again like Gatlin did all those years ago? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a, a, a tough question, but... Um it's, we just have to see. It's, it all depends on the, in the quality plays in the regions. Obviously, in in our, in this current Six Nations squad, you have got a couple of youngsters. You've got uh, Rudy Zamet, who's just fresh out of 18s. He hasn't had a 20s cap yet, who's just jumped straight in. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've got Rhys Carey, Debbie Lake, and Team Barcelona come through. So, I think uh, I think they are starting to groom, groom a, couple of, a couple of youngsters, and uh, maybe they are looking at doing that in the, over the next next year or so. But maybe for the maybe for now they just concentrate on, uh, on the Six Nations and get the senior squad up and around Rhys what's your thoughts about difficult question no? uh, yeah um, I think they are slowly starting to look more at the younger players being involved like you said with Louis Zamet Davy Lake and that but um, I think if the younger players are there and are good enough to fit in then they should get a chance but otherwise then stick to the same mode but I think they're starting to change more towards youngster players being brought in so I guess just to cap that off it's the equivalent then of, you mentioned Intermark playing for France now. Can Sam Costello, Luke Scully step up and play for Wales against France this, in the, in the next weekend? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. Um, but Intermark has had the, he's a regular starter for, for Toulouse and uh, Louis Cabanelli, he's, he's a, a regular player with Toulon, so they're getting that, that experience and maybe that's... Uh, that's something that's uh, some of the youngsters that aren't having, um, but no, no, it's uh, it's a tough one. You know, you, you, you never know until till they get a chance, and and uh, you just gotta give give them a chance and see what they can do at the at that level and see how they cope. Reese, Sam Costello, starting for Wales against France. I think yeah, if he has he has not much senior involvement as in with is he less Leicester. Leicester boy. I think so. He hasn't had that much involvement senior, but I think 
as you said, you only know two try. Why not chuck him in? Yeah, I think I, I think I think he's a quality. He's, I think he's a quality player. I think he he, he will cope pers- personally. I think he's uh, he's a really good player. So I think he will cope. But obviously, it is uh, it is a tough one to chuck his way in the deep end. He's definitely got a skill set there to do it. But yeah, it is uh, tough. Boys, you both like politicians. Like, uh, <laughs> on the line there, right? We're going to move into our new feature called the Broom Room. The Broom Room. This is a section where you talk about a pet hate that you just want to abolish or something that really gripes you. You just want to talk about something negative that you just think should be chucked in the broom room and forget about. So, do you want me to start you off? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For me, middle lane drivers. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, middle lane drivers. Yeah. And what are they doing? Eh? Yeah. Sometimes, but I, I'm, I'm, so I could just easily go from the, the, the slow lane to overtake him into the middle lane into the fast lane but I don't do that I should maybe shouldn't really say these things on, on, on there but so I stand I wait behind and then flashing the lights so I'm that guy just there flashing 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 they don't move then their hands you can see them in the mirror going like move, you know, move over to the slow lane get out the way you know but that's for me I don't know what the legalities are about the, the middle lane drivers they shouldn't be there there's no room for them get off Get out, get in the broom room, get in the slow lane, get away. Job done. That's my middle lane drivers should stop. I agree. Uh, yeah, um, I'd say my pet hit is people who chew with their mouth open and make a noise when eating food. Yeah. I can't yeah. concentrate on my eating. <laughs> I, I, it, it, put, it, it puts me off puts me off my food. I think it should be uh, I think when uh, when some people are younger they should should have lessons on not try to avoid making making nice noise. It puts puts me off my food. I, I can't cope. I, I can't. As some boys, I I can't sit next to who uh, was eating food. It's like I just can't. Yeah, I don't do you enjoy. Get up and leave. I enjoy my food. Or do you tell them? No. no, I've I've from experience. I'll tactic, tactically then not not sit sit nice. just far away so I don't. I'm not bothered too much by yeah. Tell us uh, worse for that. Yeah, and Davis. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he'll sit there, pie after the session, just chewing it, chewing it, and you can see the core beef just churning around like a washing machine. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not what you want. Yeah, and he's talking at the same time. Yeah. So you could be splattered with a bit of pasty yeah. pie on your, on, your, on your face. like. Well, Chuck on the broom room. Reese, what yeah. about you? Is uh, people that eat overly slow. So you'll be there at the table, you eat your food, and it's done a 20 minute wait for them to finish theirs before you can go and do something. Oh, so well, give, me, give me a scenario, give me a situation. I go that train. I was giving one of the boys a lift home ah, after half so day training. <laughs> I'm involves you, right? I want to go to bed, eat my food, and he's just started eating. We had the food same time. He's there for another twenty minutes eating, and I'm sitting there doing nothing. Isn't there a myth where you have to, you know, it's a process oh, chewing chew like twenty so something yeah. times or something? Didn't they do that in the football World Cup in England back in I think it was ninety whatever ninety eight? Got to chew your food. Uh, they had a sports scientist come in. Yeah. Who knows? They might. They might just enjoy their food. Exactly. Just yeah. taking their yeah, time, enjoying your food, and there's so they're, taking half hour to dip. Yeah. You're there putting pressure on them, like happy days. Happen to watch, like watch the <laughs> yeah. Let's go back. <laughs> okay, put that in the broom room. Okay, guys. Well, I'm just gonna wrap it up. I'm gonna talk about Abraavan. So up the wizard's sleeve here. The wizard's sleeve. We have coming up. On Thursday, the 20th of February, Swansea away, 7.15pm kickoff. That's a rearranged game. Another away game on Saturday, the 29th of February, 2.30 against Clenetli. And our next home game is on Saturday, the 7th of March, 2.30pm against Cardiff. And that's the same day as Wales versus England. So anybody listening, you can come down and watch the Aberan versus Cardiff game on March the 7th. And then enjoy 
Wales versus England in the clubhouse after the game. Also, we've got Aberavon Family Fun Walk at Margam Park on March the 15th. This is in need of Maggie's cancer. We've got a uh, lifelong member, Tony Phillips, who has just been diagnosed with cancer and the club is raising funds. That's a 10 a.m. start. If you want more information, please visit the website www.aberavonwizards.co.uk and there's a form on there, sponsor form you can download. So please gain some uh, sponsorship, some funds and join us on the walk on March the 15th. Thank you so much for coming on in, in the middle of your Six Nations campaign. I wish you all the best, firstly against France and then I hope to see you all soon playing in the blood and black for Aberavon. So, Great. cheers boys, thank you very much. Thanks Thanks for us. The Cauldron Podcast by Aberavon Rugby Club, produced by Buffoon Media. Mm-hmm.